As we prepare to hear God's word read and proclaimed, let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today, we celebrate the baptism of the Lord, and we will hear the account of Jesus' baptism from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 and 21 through 22. You can find this on page 56 in your pew Bibles. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thirty years after she graduated from Stanford University, Mary Poindexter McLaughlin wrote a poem about failing to satisfy expectations. In this case, the expectations of her alma mater. The poem was published around the time of the 30th reunion of her Stanford graduation in the university alumni magazine. You know, that one we open with the mix of anticipation and dread to see what accomplishments of our fellow graduates have been deemed worthy of inclusion. McLaughlin's poem is titled, Alma Mater. No doubt She's disappointed. Such a disgrace I turned out to be. Not a policymaker or a tech-savvy entrepreneur. Nothing of note. I gave birth three times and sent three tall, kind people into the world. I offered words of consolation. I planted sunflowers. I listened. Elected official... Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, cutting-edge thought leader, MD, PhD, CEO, Oscar, Emmy, Tony, Nobel, anything? I closed my mother's eyes when she died, and again, my father's. I made no fortune, no headlines, nothing went viral. I sang and danced for no one. I remembered, I noticed, I breathed, just an ordinary life filled with extraordinary love. How disappointing. 
The people who went to the wilderness to be baptized by John in the Jordan River carried with them a lot of expectations. Our passage says they were filled with them. Expectations, questions about who John was. Could he be the Messiah they'd been waiting for? But also expectations and hope that this baptism he offered could somehow make their lives right again. We can imagine the people who showed up worried they had been a disappointment to themselves and to others, failing to live up to the expectations of God or anyone else. The preacher Barbara Brown Taylor imagines there were more than a few pickpockets in that baptism line, among other sorry, guilt-ridden characters, drunks, cheaters, embezzlers, liars. Some were notorious back home and some harbored guilty secrets no one else suspected. But all of them brought to the river the hope that John could wash them clean, inside and out. John called it a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all those big words sure made it sound like getting dunked in that water just might get them right with God, erasing all their misdeeds and missteps and mistakes and failures. And maybe then they'd be worthy of God's love. But then one day something totally unexpected happened. There they were, taking their turns, getting dunked in the river, and then after one of them had gone under the water, the heavens opened and a dove floated down and a voice spoke so clearly everyone heard it. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. We can imagine this was not just shocking, but also confusing. Because as far as we know, Jesus hasn't done anything special yet. For the people in line that day, this was just Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph. You know the one, the carpenter in Nazareth. And that was if they knew him at all. At this point in Luke's gospel, Jesus hasn't done a thing except be born and shown up a couple of times at the temple in Jerusalem. He hasn't healed anyone, taken on the Pharisees. He hasn't preached the sermon or fed a crowd of thousands with a few loaves and fishes. So what is God so pleased about? Why is Jesus called Beloved? All he does is get in line with a crowd of sinners and get baptized like everyone else. Could it be that God's words for Jesus are also for all the other people in line that day? My favorite New Year's post I've seen this year said this, I'm not making any resolutions. I think it's time for the years to be better, not me. It's 2024, and so far, the prospect of a better year is not looking very promising. Maybe you missed it, but it's a presidential election year. Again, already. Also, violence and division are trending around the world, not to mention 
our own personal struggles with children and parents, work and school, addiction and illness and grief. So before we get any further into this new year, I think we all need to hear these words God spoke to Jesus. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased, not because of what you've done. Because of what I've done, I made you. You're mine. You belong to me. You are my beloved. Sink into that like you would into a body of water. Let it wash over you like water pouring over your head. You are beloved. Beloved. So be loved. Maybe hearing this and just sitting with it for a while, the truth of who you are, God's beloved, maybe that's the best thing we can do for ourselves and for everyone around us this year. As we saw this morning in Bobby's baptism, oh, he's giving me a big smile. (laughs) Baptism is a profoundly personal event. We call the one being baptized by name, echoing the words of God in Isaiah, I've called you by name and you are mine. Baptism is this profoundly personal event, but in the specificity, we are invited to recognize that this promise, this name, beloved, isn't just for us, it's for all God's children. This is true in a special way for Bobby. He is named after his grandfather, Elizabeth's father, Robert McCarthy. When he gets a little bit older, Bobby will no doubt hear the story of how his parents met at the University of Richmond, how they moved to the D.C. area after they graduated, but always knew they wanted to get back to Richmond and settle down there and raise a family. He'll hear how they decided to get married at First Presbyterian Church, but then a global pandemic hit, so their wedding in October of 2020 was just a handful of people, including their parents, family, and closest friends. Elizabeth's father, Robert, walked her down the aisle. Bobby will hear how they planned a vow renewal ceremony for a year after the wedding so they can invite the rest of their community to celebrate their marriage when it was safer to gather. And then Bobby will learn the hard part of the story, how his grandfather and namesake died suddenly six months after the first wedding. Six months later, after he died, even as their joy was all tangled up with grief, Elizabeth and Eric came back to FPC, joined by family and friends, renewed their wedding vows, and celebrated their one-year anniversary. Bobby will learn that a little over a year later, his parents joyfully welcomed him to the world, assuring him that he is beloved by God, by them, by his grandparents and aunts and uncles, and so many others 
and how he shares his name with someone who was also beloved by many of those same family and friends, but most of all, by God. Yes, baptism is profoundly personal, but it is also necessarily communal. It is a reminder that God loves you with total abandon, no matter what you've done or failed to do, and that you are not alone in this. Because God loves all God's children with abandon. And so baptism happens not in private, but publicly in community. Yes, you are uniquely special and beloved by your creator. Yes, God claims you as God's very own. And that's the most important thing about you. But we can only appreciate this identity when we recognize every other person as God's beloved too. We all share the same name. It's the name God gave Jesus at his baptism. You are, we all are, beloved. A few years ago, Martin Sheen, the actor and devout Catholic who was born as Ramon Estevez, described his experience of the other sacrament we celebrate, communion, which he experiences weekly at Catholic Mass. He said, one of the great mysteries I experience at Mass is the reception at communion. How do we embrace that? How do we possibly consciously understand what that is? I don't have a clue. I just get in line and say, I'm Ramon, called Martin, your friend, you're welcome here, and I'm with them. Whoever the crowd is, you just look at the people in that line, that community, and that is the greatest and simplest expression of this mystery I'm talking about, because it is a mystery. Probably the most profound mystery in all the universe, this love Sometimes I'm overwhelmed just watching people get in line to embrace that sacrament. It's the most profound thing. I never can get over it. It's just something you have to surrender to and just say, yeah, I'm with them. Jesus did not need baptism to make him right with God. He was God. But he got in line with all those sinners and entered the waters just like they did. It's like he's saying, I'm with them. I'm one of you. I am with you. And just like me, God has named you beloved. Even if you haven't done anything particularly lovable or noteworthy. You don't have to meet some high expectations to be named beloved. It is who you are. It's who we all are. You, those you love, those you hate, those you just don't understand. You are, we all are, God's beloved. So be loved because with you, God is already well pleased. Amen.